Hello, everyone. This is Natalie Karai. I'm your host. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I hope you enjoy today's episode and many of the episodes I have coming up for you very soon. I wanted to share with you, I recently got back from a trip I made to California where I interviewed many of my favorite people, and I am super thrilled that I get to share these conversations with you on Life on Earth. So stay tuned. All of these conversations will be coming to you soon. And I don't want to give it out too much in terms of, uh, let's just kind of keep it a mystery, a fun mystery for now. But the guests, they're, they're going to very much, there's a lot of variety in uh, the content. If you tune into last episode, that was Preston Smiles. I received so many positive messages, so many messages from people all over the globe, from you listeners. And thank you for those of you who reached out on our Facebook uh, secret group page, which by the way, you're welcome to join Life on Earth podcast group page. Uh, We interact, I share ideas, we all share ideas and support. There's a great community. I will include this on the show notes. Also, I had people who have emailed or sent text message to to us, and so this is this is really kind of an interactive podcast, and I love hearing from y'all. So I'm I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful that you enjoyed the conversation with Preston. I'm ultra inspired. I actually listened to the episode once again, and it was extremely powerful. If this is your first time tuning into Life on Earth, thank you. You are amazing. I appreciate. Stay with me through these interviews. I, with each guest, I try to bring something a little bit different in the content. And if you like the podcast, share with your friends. Send it to someone who might enjoy, who might benefit, and who might enhance their life, even if it's just a little bit. Right? The world is a beautiful place. I always say we're all here to learn and we're all here to know what love is. Ultimately, we all want to live our truth. One thing I want to share before we go into the episode is I am very soon hosting a yoga retreat. Actually, a retreat. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, there will be yoga in it, but it's more a retreat of the heart and of the soul. I'm not even calling it a yoga retreat, really. really. Uh, the retreat name is Golden Sunrise, and it will be in Oregon. May 24th through May 27th in this beautiful, majestic property called Sun River Resort. And I encourage you to uh, definitely check it out. Their Instagram page has some beautiful photos. Also include this on the podcast. In the retreat, we will dive into the magical and mysticism of this life and of healing practices such as yoga nidra, meditation, vinyasa yoga, tea ceremony, sun gazing meditation, forest bathing. The property has horses and horse stable, canoeing, kayaking, and this um, state-of-the-art spa and mountain biking trails. I mean, on pools and hot tubs. It's a gorgeous property. It took me a little while from my last retreat to this one. And the reason is because I really kind of wanted to take some time to think about the programming and where I was. A lot of things were shifting for me. And I wanted to really be in a place that I felt the space really supported what I wanted to offer. And 
I, I don't know. It just it just felt like it had to be. It had to feel it was right. It had to feel like it was the right thing in the right place and the right time. And so for the past perhaps six months, a lot of my students from the shala and from like the trainings have been asking me, where are we going? Where are we going? And I couldn't really, I looked into a lot of different places and there was nothing really that I was settling my heart in for some reason. And then this, this place came about and the more I looked into it, I started looking into it uh, a little bit before Christmas, and the more I looked into it, and and all that it had, and encompassed, and the surroundings, and the and the land, and the mountains, and the rivers, and the lakes, it really feels it's in alignment with what I want to bring and share with the world right now, and with you. So I invite you to check it out. If you sign up uh, by February fifth, you get a. 10% discount early bird special. We do have rooms available, which are doubles and singles. I am doing this with a company called Trip Tribe. I'm going to include the retreat link on the show notes for this episode, and you can go in and check it out. So don't forget that the early bird special ends on February 5th. And Trip Tribe makes it very easy that the deposit for the retreat is low and you can create payment plans for the retreat. So I hope that you can join me and hope that you enjoy that beautiful full blue blood moon yesterday eclipse, which we had an amazing time at Shanti Yoga Shala, my, my studio, my training school in New Orleans. We gathered with my tribe, a group of individuals and beings that I have so much love for. We sat in silence, contemplation, meditation for tea ceremony, candle ceremony. And then we went to our yard and we lit, had a fire and we burned some of our affirmations. We let go, we wrote it down, we burned in the fire. And it was just this uh, precious moment that Sometimes those are the priceless moments in our lives, right? That we will look back and we say, wow, what a great and awesome time. And, and how lucky are we to, to be able to have community? So wherever you are, I encourage you to build community. It's, um, it's powerful. So enjoy this episode. Enjoy Yogini fabulous Angela. Angela is one of those people that is, she's super charismatic. I've known Angela for a really long time. Her Instagram literally like blew out. It's just one of those yoga people that you hear, the Instagram people. But she's also an amazing yoga teacher and she's also an amazing yoga. And she's also an amazing practitioner. And I have practiced with her, with my mat, down with her many times when we both lived in Los Angeles um, many years ago. We, we also got to hang out a lot and exchange many, you know, lots of conversations. And we saw each other also growing in the process of life and the process of yoga. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to Life on Earth, the Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately, love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace, and global equality, one earthling at a time. 
Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I am in Santa Monica, California. Hi everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you are in the world. And as always, you all are the best. I am sitting here with an awesome, awesome person who I am so excited and happy and thrilled to share with you. Her name is Angela Kukan. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I always ask, like, do I pronounce the last name like right? Because I'm like, my accent sometimes is good. Uh, How, you you say good it. Job. You say it. Kukon. I think you Kukan. said Kukon, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That's and, perfect. Hi, Angela. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your time. I appreciate you sharing your energy. And so does all our community. So Angela is a beautiful yoga teacher. She's a beautiful yogini. She lives in Santa Monica in California, and she is based here with her work and her practice as well. I actually have known Angela for a really long time. <laughs> we, way uh, back. <laughs> like way back. And uh, we... Uh, we work together, we practice together, and we're also friends together. Yes. <laughs> we were like friends too. Back in our younger, younger days, yeah. <laughs> wilder days. Which is, which is so funny because we were just um, talking about like the pool parties and stuff. We used to go to all these awesome pool parties, which sometimes you had some too. And it was <laughs> yes, and there'd be always be lots of Prosecco involved if I was... Uh, <laughs> I look back at those those day those photos and just laugh like they're so it's so funny. But it's also like was such a great time. It was, and it was is a a time that I also when I look back I laugh and I'm like, but I also super cherish it. Yeah, and I feel like I always have you guys no matter what the distance and even if I don't see you for a while or whatever it is, then like I always have y'all like in my heart, you know. Ah, it's so cool. Um, so how 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 do I mean you are a fantastic fantastic yoga teacher, extremely dedicated to what you do. You have been at this for a long time now. So we have so much to share in the yoga community, like the things that you, what inspires you now, like when you go teach your classes? Boy, there's so much. And I think that is And what... how do you keep yourself inspired to oh, inspire other man. people? Like, I'm like, oh man, there's so much, honestly. And, and um, and I do think it's super, super important to keep the fire burning. But I think the things that the real drivers for me right now is like, how can we move better? You know, and how, what, you know, I'm always thinking about like, how can I address the individual in a group setting? And it's because I think, you know, you, you have this challenge, especially when you're teaching a level two, three or level three, and you are, I do like to teach poses like handstands and things that are, are a little bit, you know, they're a little challenging, but I guess all the poses really are challenging. I mean, downward dog is like never ending work, but how can we really address the individual and, and really see our students and how can we help them to move better and I like the idea of obviously safely, but, and also help them to flourish. So not just like, I think sometimes in a group setting, you know, I'll give a cue that maybe is a really broad cue and it's great for like half of the class, you know, because it's sort of a generalization. 
but how can I speak to the other half or the the people who aren't, you know, that cue doesn't really help them grow, you know? And how can I help the people that where they are to grow stronger, to get, you know, whatever their goals are, how can I help them? And I think that is something that really keeps me interested and and to look at all the ways that we can approach these poses, like with different props, like I'm kind of prop obsessed a little bit. I'm always playing with that. And it's like, okay, well, who, who could benefit from, you know, a couple blocks and a strap? And what if we add a blanket in here? And then like, what, maybe this could help this other person. And just so everyone knows, Angela does teach vinyasa flow as yeah. well. And uh, but no, I'm I'm the same way with yeah. the props. I think we've all learned, even as yogis who you know maybe like a decade ago or two decades ago, we didn't practice with all these props. That these are very beneficial for your practice. And if there's anyone listening who maybe anywhere in the planet, and you know the blocks and the belts and the Blankets can be, like Angela said, extremely beneficial for your yoga practice. I think when we use the the props uh, as a handicap, then it can be controversial. Yeah. But, you know, meaning like if you just like, oh, I'm just because I do this with this at this side, I'm going to, this is it for the rest of my life. And yeah, we, when, we, you know, you can always, it doesn't mean because the only thing we know is that everything is always changing. So you always yeah. have to, the impermanence of things again. So we always have to so access the situation and the body. And But when the props are an enhancement to your practice, that's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Then it's like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. It brings your, you to a whole nother level and it creates space. Yeah. I always tell, you know, because I, I do run into that a lot of times, especially with an advanced practitioner or, you know, someone who thinks of themselves as advanced, because I know some ways we're all beginners always forever, but they'll say to me, well, what if I get used to using this? Then what? And I, and I just tell them, I'm like, look, you can't engage a muscle. You can't feel. And, and there's certain things like, for, for example, you know, when somebody's trying to protract their shoulders in a handstand, um, but they've got hyperextended elbows and, you know, they're trying to engage, engage their biceps and they like, there's this thing where like, they have a very, a lot of the times I find that people that are very bendy, I'm talking about myself here, <laughs> like I find they have a very hard time accessing protraction. Like someone like myself who's super backbendy, backbends I can do all day, but you ask me to protract my shoulders and keep my arms straight and engage my biceps and my triceps in like a handstand, it's a huge challenge. And in the beginning, it was like somewhat impossible. And getting, putting a strap on my arms, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I can feel my serratus anterior muscle. I can feel the muscles that are protracting my shoulder blades. Now I can actually use them because I can feel them. Now, do I use a strap every time now? No, because I know how to access those muscles. They're strong enough that when I ask them to engage, I can feel them engage. But if I ask somebody walking in off the street, hey, engage your serratus anterior, like they're like, what, huh? What's, what did you just, are you speaking another language? 
you know? So that's why I, I find it useful. I love that you said that, that, you know, do you use it every time? No, because I always, when I'm teaching in my class, I offer that as well. I say, well, let's try this and I'm going to have you do this pose with this. And that, and then some person will say, a person will say, well, then that's how I'm going to be practicing. I'm like, for now. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean like, again, it says, I'll say, do it, you know, maybe do it like, Tap experiment with it. Do it Monday and Wednesday, Tuesday and Thursday. If you're practicing, do it without. And I don't know, yeah. try different things or maybe the first week or two and then your body changes. Then you take that prop off or you move the block lower or whatever it is. You know, it's it's an exploration. I mean, yoga yeah. is an exploration, experimentation. And I'm going to ask you this because one thing I've I've learned a lot in my, in my life now as a yoga teacher is... I mean, we all like, you know, went to trainings and and read the books and da-da-da. But at the end of the day, I'm getting to a point that really a lot of it is like feedback from your student, from the person that's like in front of you. Yes. Oh, yes. And and I love like one of our teachers, I mean, one of our teachers that Annie, I mean, uh, Angela and I practice with a lot is Annie Carpenter. Yeah. And we were in, we used to be in her class a lot when I lived in LA and and she says, we're not teaching yoga, we're teaching individuals. And I yeah. love that. And I just, I was thinking, it's funny that we're talking about this right now because I remember actually earlier this morning, I was getting in my car and for some reason, Annie crossed my mind. And I remember how you'd ask her a question and she'd say, it depends. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I was like, I think that might be my favorite thing that she would say. And it's the more I teach, the more I practice, the more I admire her honesty. And and it does, it just depends. Like there aren't any hard answers for everybody all the time. It's not cookie cutter. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's not cookie cutter. And, you know, from the, and again, it's like from the outside looking in as a teacher, we have limited information. So we have to inquire, we have to ask questions, and we have to create a space that's safe enough that the, the students will tell us the truth and not just tell us what they think we want to hear. Wow, that's super important. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of times they want, I find especially with new students, there's sometimes you can tell there's like a fear because maybe they came from an environment where that wasn't okay for them to give feedback. Well, yeah, and sometimes in some yoga studios you can get so competitive in, mm-hmm. when you're talking about rooms that get filled and all these people and then, you know, you want to look to the person on the side and you want your practice to look like the other yoga mat or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God. And we've all, I mean, I say this kind of, I mean, I've done that too. We've yeah. all done that. It's not like this is just the human experience, a human condition we all yeah. have. but. You really, it's about going inside, like practicing pratyahara, turning your senses in and just really like, how can you breathe and feel and, and yeah. have that connection with your teacher, like you said, that then you feel that that person created space for you to speak your truth yeah. and to practice 
for life, at least for me, for me, that's what I'm interested in, lifelong practice. Absolutely. But like you said, when we first started the podcast, I'm also not against like, I mean, I love doing my handstands and I love doing my, (laughs) we were talking about Padmasana, which is full lotus. I mean, I personally love it, but I get it. We have to be mindful. What do you think about all that? But I also don't want to like be like, oh no, I'm not ever going to do anything. Fun, you know, or fun, like, yeah. yeah. I think we have to be really careful with um, demonizing poses and demonizing certain movements because they don't work for every body. You know what I mean? I, I think that's a really, I think that we do ourselves a disservice if we say this is a bad pose because 99% of the population can't do it safely or maybe won't do the progressions leading up to it that makes it safe because let's be honest a lot of a lot of us could do full lotus if we took enough time i i came to the practice with two torn meniscus in my knees it took me 12 years to achieve lotus 12 now I, could i get into it yes but there was pain so i would try it and quickly realize it was a really bad idea and then i would, I was like, well, I got to get my hips more open. 12 years later, I can finally do it and I don't feel like it's dangerous. But that's a long time. And I think, I think a lot of the poses that we consider dangerous, I think if someone were willing to take the time to get there, that there are, and was willing to listen to their body and take the steps, I think there's, you know, they probably could make it safe. I don't mean, you know, obviously there's always like caveats, but I think that's really the thing is like taking an honest look at yourself and being willing to do the work, whatever that work is and realizing it's going to be different than the person next to you. And at the end of the day that we're doing it because we want to do it because it's fun, because we're exploring our bodies, not because it makes us cooler or better yogis or anything other, you know, than just that, you know, a discovery, the joy of discovering what's possible, you know, but it, we have to stay mindful and we have to stay out of the ego because the ego doesn't want to take time. <laughs> It's beautiful to watch your career develop and the transformation of your your yoga path. You know, it's Aww. it's really like amazing to see how much you're maturing as a yoga teacher. And I mean, my you know, I'm sure like you could say the, the same, same me, with, but yeah, I'm like she's so wise. We haven't seen each other in years, <laughs> and it's like so beautiful to see like the you know why even more beautiful because you've always been beautiful oh, inside and out. You're, you're it's too, true. same. <laughs> but it's like the, this, just this wisdom it too that and maturity and just the growth on the path of teaching. And it's just, it's so obvious how much you love it. And just to see a real real maturity there that's just so you beautiful too. Like, oh. I miss it the same with you <laughs> and I mean Angela you're so beautiful I mean your pictures are insane and we're mm-hmm. gonna talk about that and you have a beautiful practice I mean you had already way back I always you know this all this stuff is coming from a person that really is a practitioner I mean oh, you wow. You get on your mat. And that's yeah. one thing that I love about you. Yeah. Because sometimes, you you know, some 
yoga teachers will start teaching and getting to burnout and then they just don't get on. And, you know, we all, we all might have times that we practice more or less and that's just natural flow, but it is really important to also the dedication that we have, you know, that I know that you have put so many hours on your mat Mm. and, um, Angela teaches now for yoga works. Yes. Right. Yes. Where do you teach? I teach at um, Yoga Works in Al Segundo, which was my the first Yoga Works studio that I started teaching at. And so the community down there, I'm just so, it, it's so beautiful and I just feel so proud of them and excited that I get to participate as their teacher. But I, I think sometimes they're teaching me a lot more because like we were talking about getting the getting feedback and at this point, they're so good at giving me feedback. And I, I just love it. You know, I'll be like, oh, how'd you guys like that drill? They're like, oh, my back hurt. Or, oh, you know, like they have no problems telling me how how it worked or how it didn't work and what came up for them. And that's just, it's helped me so much as a teacher. I, I always remind them, I'm like, this is how I learn. This is how I get better is if, when you tell me, exactly what's happening for you and it doesn't have to be positive you know like did that sequence how did that feel if if it felt bad tell me you know because I'll I learn and and um so it's really been it's been beautiful to be there I've been there since 2008 I also teach at Playa Vista and I've recently started uh teaching in Santa Monica at the Montana and the Main Street Yoga Works. So that's been fun and new. You know, it's not even been a year yet. So it's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, yes. I think you're doing wonderful. So the way, just a background story for the listeners, Angela and I met at Yoga. I, I used to work for Yoga Works as well. And that's how we met all at Yoga Works. And we practice a lot together. And we have this beautiful yoga community in um, here in California, in LA, and the yogis all knew each other very well, and it's like in and yeah. out of each other's life, and <laughs> it's, so true. it's funny. It's funny how that all like sort of developed, and again, it's really kind of cool to see all that developing, and all yeah. of you, all of you, I've seen so the birth of so many magnificent yoginis Aww. and teachers <laughs> that I'm like, oh, that's my friend, that's my friend, <laughs> yeah, and I love it, but. Okay, so going back to classes, the let's talk a, about class levels for a moment because, yeah. so for example, in, where I live in New Orleans, we don't really have a level three yoga class. Yeah, I was like one of I think I was the only person that had like a level three vinyasa flow class in the city for a while, and I did. I actually taught it for like a year, and I always had the same sort of people that came, which was fantastic. Once in a while, they'd have like a person like, I've never done yoga before. And they're like, yes. in my level three class. Right. And I'm like, so Whoa. funny. But then uh, mostly level ones and then mo- really mostly level one slash two, which really is all levels, right? Is that kind of like that here? It really is. And I should also mention yeah. before I forget that I also teach a black dog yoga. Yes, <laughs> yes, please like, do that. Before I leave them out, they're yeah. amazing. And I teach there yeah. as well. And they're great community. But yeah, I do find that. And, and I, I think what I've realized is that people tend to go to the class based upon how fit they think they are. So if they're like, I'm really fit, they're like, I'll go to the level three. And it doesn't really, it seems to me that it doesn't matter to them so much how many times they've done yoga. They, 
it seems to me like they're like, well, okay, I do, you know, CrossFit twice a week and I, I spin and I'm in great shape. So I'm going to go to this hard class and, you know, then they come in and, and so, yeah, that definitely happens. So how do you teach like a class like for if you have a room that has people all kinds of different levels, how do you, um, I mean, you have to deal with that, I'm sure, all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's a big challenge. I mean, it, where I'm teaching in the South Bay at the Yoga Works studio there, the, I teach a level three on Fridays. And, you know, there's, at this point, the majority of the people coming, there's such a great, strong group of people who are exactly, you know, sort of, they're with me. They know my teaching style. They like, you know, they're just amazing. And so I feel like with the new people there, they can easily look around and sort of see really, a really great examples of, of what I'm teaching. And then of course, I, I know who they are pretty much right away because I've never seen them before. And I know most of the people at this point. Whereas I feel like in my group classes and in Santa Monica that, and it's, it's starting to de- develop a little bit more, but it's like, like for instance, I took on a Saturday class at Main Street and it seems like every Saturday there's a lot of different people, you know, and it's, a, it's I don't know, like let's say there's 25, 30 people in the room and maybe I know like five or you know, five or eight of them pretty well. And so that's that tends to be a bigger challenge. I feel a little bit more like overwhelmed in those situations where I'm like, wait a minute, like I, w- I don't always feel like I leave feeling like I did a great job, you know? <laughs> I'm sure you did a great job. I've been in your classes many times and you're a great teacher. Oh, thanks. There's sometimes where I'm like, you know, it's hard in those situations, because you're wanting to move things along and, and keep your regulars happy. And yet you find yourself explaining some of the more basic concepts because, and and then I'll be like, I'll look at the time and all of a sudden all this time has gone by. I'm just like, oh no, you know? Um, and I think that's probably in a way, like I know when I go to class and a teacher is explaining basic concepts, a lot of times I'll learn a lot from it. And I'll be like, Ooh, good. I'm glad they went over this. Cause I didn't realize I had it wrong, you know, yeah. but I think it, as a teacher, I sometimes feel very self-conscious in those moments. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, what is your, um, advice for someone who, let's say I, I, I have a lot of people who graduate from the teacher training. So a lot of, um, so young cool. teachers, what's your advice? Someone who's just starting to teach yoga in this world today. Anywhere. Oh, man. Do you have some? I do. I do. I'm glad that you asked. And I, I think it's so great that you're doing teacher training. Thank you. It's just awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <Rich. laughs> I love it. I, lo- I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. they're, they're very lucky. <laughs> um, I would say that just what you said earlier is you have to keep the fire burning. Like, it's super important to get on your mat. It's super important to experiment with what you're teaching and to discover things and, and to be willing to be wrong too, and to stay open to that. And to, you know, I think sometimes as, as teachers is like, of course we have egos too, you know? And so it's like, 
you're like, wow, this is the best way to teach. Let's just use handstand as an example. This is the best way to teach handstand. And then one day you realize like, no, it's actually not, you know, and then you have to go in and, and have that moment of humility. It was just like, oh, I was teaching it this way, guys. We're not going to do it that way anymore. We're going to do it this way now because this is what I've discovered or whatever. And, and just staying willing to learn and to stay open and to be willing to be wrong and like just realize that it's a lifelong journey of that, which actually makes it fun. That's what makes it it exciting. And so that I say practice, have a home practice that's super important. And it doesn't have to look like a 90 minute practice because you're, you know, we all have been there where we're running between clients. We don't have that time. Mm-hmm. So it's like you keep all the stuff that you need to practice in your car. And like a lot of times I'll stop at a park and then I might, you know, I'll just bring so like some a sweater or whatever I need if it's like a little cold out. And then you just, you do what you can. You do what, and, and those times like I don't really, oh, I have to do 10 sun salutes before I do something fun. No, sometimes I get out and I do go right to the fun thing because maybe I'm feeling lazy that day, you yeah. know? And I'm like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not encouraging don't warm up. Like do warm up, obviously, you know your body. But, but like not making it such a thing that, like I think sometimes people feel guilty if they don't do it a certain way. Like if I didn't do all my sun salutes first and this and this and this, then I can't do any of the, you know, just like take the pressure off and just do it. Just get on your mat and... Yeah, yeah, I love that. And uh, you have some. Uh, you have a bunch of online classes, right? I do. I have um, a bunch of classes on yogisanonymous.com. And so the, I think the, the first 15 days is free. So if like anyone wants to go on there and just try it out, a lot I of people at my classes. Really, like you yeah, do? That's so lot. awesome. A lot of uh, yogis at my studio, uh, at Shanti, are members of Yogis Anonymous. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, I encourage everyone to practice there. Aww. Which is great. Yeah, I'll they put have you, so many good classes on there. Yeah, uh, we Not have like me. a <laughs> list of some teachers um, that I want them to like look at. I'm going to put you on the list so that because they can take classes with you online. Aww. So, yeah. I, for the longest time, like hesitated, like filming myself teaching yoga. It makes me really nervous. I don't know why. And then I did my first like long uh, yoga class and and I had to really be like, oh my God, like say a prayer, take a deep breath. And I taught like a one hour long class and I was filmed and recorded. And it was weird because I've been teaching yoga for so long and almost 20 years now. And I really don't get like I mean you know I, I, I yeah I really don't get like nervous like that yeah. anymore I mean I'm always like I'm always like I'm, I want to do a good job I think that kind of nervousness that's like healthy to have you know like I want to make sure it's not like I'm like bored or anything no I mean I love it I'm excited about my class but I'm confident to go in and do it but when I was have the idea of having that camera was just like oh my yeah. god and but I had to really zone out from like Pretend the camera wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, what really came up for me is that I think I really, I really care if I'm doing a good job and I really care about alignment and alignment cues and everything. But the truth is, is you can't, 
give every alignment cue for every pose and every, you know, every like modification for every pose. Like, well, and if you have this, you can do it this way. And if you have this, you can do it this, you know, like, and I think when I was first filming, like I almost felt like I had to, because like, God forbid somebody watch it and be like, oh, but she didn't tell somebody how to do it if they can't do it with their knee down, you know, like, or whatever. Like, I think there was this like self-consciousness, like that people would have an expectation that I would cover everything, you know? Yeah, (laughs) I I know. I felt that too. And then the other thing, it's like, that's recorded. And so it goes back to what we were talking before that I do see yoga as this evolving art. So yeah. something that I, if I'm like, well, what if in 10 years I look at this video and I'm like, I'm not teaching that pose like that yeah. anymore. <laughs> I don't even believe in that anymore. And then it's like, you're stuck in time forever. Yes, you're like, but, oh no. <laughs> but you just got to completely let go of that. Yeah. You got to completely let go, you know, yeah. and just be like, well, you did the best you could with what you knew at the time. Yeah. And then hopefully, you know, and if somebody says something 10 years, then you go, well, that's what I knew at that time. And we're only humans. We're allowed to make mistakes too. Yeah. I think it's you good know, to take the pressure out because there's a lot of pressure in this thing, the image and the, you know, online stuff or the pictures or whatever. Like, yeah. Which brings me to the whole Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really, I think it's a great point that you make because I definitely, that self-consciousness has definitely been there for me because I, you know, it's like, oh, being stuck in time and and being judged for, you know, the way that I taught something or didn't teach something or being afraid of saying certain things that I actually know are true, but not knowing how to you know, it's sometimes like feeling like, why well, don't I don't know if I adequate, adequately can explain this. So, you know, maybe I better just stick to like the tried and true cues of, of ways of saying it. And, and sometimes like I, I find with cues is sometimes something might work really well for you or some or even with some of your students and it might not be your typical cue, you know, and, and, Maybe it's sort of more of metaphoric and not as actual, like spread your shoulder blades. Maybe you're like, you know, maybe you want them to like, you know, in a a cat cow, like the cat posture, like maybe you're like, you know, make a turtle shell or whatever. Like for some reason that might work for somebody. Yeah, or like in triangle, spread your wings. I love that. (laughs) But I find like if I'm being recorded or I'm like writing it down for like a tutorial, I'm like, ah, I better not say that. Someone's going (laughs) to judge me like... And it's silly, like it's kind That's of silly, funny. but yeah. So what is, what about like that ties right in with uh, the whole Instagram thing? Yeah. What do you think about, you have a very active Instagram, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I see lots of beautiful pictures and I get variants and, I, and I'm going to invite all of our listeners to check. Angela, what's your Instagram? It's Angela Kukon Yoga. And Kukon is a, a little tricky. It's K-U-K-H-A-H-N. So Angela Kukon Yoga. Yeah. And if you want to yeah. be inspired, you go, go look at Anne's uh, Instagram and there's so many beautiful photos. And you also on the comments a lot of times add like how, you know, insights about the posture. How many yeah. followers do you have? 
I think it's like right around 86,000. Which is insane. Yeah. So when did you start your um, Instagram account? I started it in 2013. And it was really like, oh, I just want to, you know, have almost like a, a photo diary. Yeah. And... And then it was like, oh, this is really fun because I started to realize that there's this really amazing community on there of yogis. And and I'll admit, I was very self-conscious at first about posting photos. I was like, oh, does this, make, does this mean I'm egotistical if I post photos? And what does this mean about me and all this? But what I found was there was this like-minded group of individuals who really loved yoga and wanted to find community. And a lot of them are moms at home that maybe don't have access to studios or like they have small children. So they do a lot of their practice at home. And so what started happening is like these little Instagram challenges, like which it seems like a little bit like silly in a way, like, oh, at first I was very um, skeptical, like, well, you know, these people posting photos and like, you know, like, okay, every day we're going to post a photo of us doing the pose. But, and I was like, oh, is this safe? Like some of these people maybe haven't had proper teachers and like, who am I to describe a pose of how to do it? But then I like realized, well, this has actually been happening for a long time. You have like Mr. Angar with like the, the books, like light on yoga and you have, um, you know, not to say I'm Mr. Anger because I'm not, I'm not even comparable, but like, you know, yoga journal with like, they describe poses and people try them at home. And it's like, people have been learning by looking at photos and seeing what someone wrote for a long time. And we now have the advantage of like, everyone has a smartphone that can actually take a video or a photo of you And you learn so much by looking at your alignment. It's shocking. Like I was shocked. (laughs) It has done so much for my personal practice. I can't even tell you. Is it like a a a part-time job to maintain an account like that? Is it like a lot of work? It it actually is a lot of uh, work and dedication. But I would say that like it gives me so much back and... um, when we were talking about inspiration, it's been one of my biggest sources of inspiration for my teaching. I know that social media gets such a bad rap, but like such a bad rap, but I have to say, like, I really see the glasses half full. I mean, there's a really great community of people on there. They're so supportive. They're so positive. It's amazing. And and I'm glad that It's actually good that you said that because the thing is, the way I see it is like everything in life can be good and bad. Even a knife. You can can use a knife to to damage someone. I say this a lot of times. Or you can use a knife to, you know, cut things that you need and, and be very respectful about it. So, of course, like sometimes people can use social media in any form to be not so great for your being and your life. And then you can use it if, you know, if you know how to use it and you you can use it also for your advantage and and then see that glass half full by using it inspirationally and, and so on. And the point I'm trying to also make with that is that you are a working teacher. It's not like yeah. you, all you do is you wake up and you take, which 
look, yeah. who am I to judge? Maybe if if that was your case, that would be fine too. <laughs> but what? But that's not you. The no. point I'm trying to make is like you. You do. You are a working teacher. You teach plenty of classes. You yeah, have plenty of students. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're really like this is your life, and this is an expression. It's an extended expression of a version of yourself. Yeah, online. Yeah, it, it's interesting. There's so. I mean, I could really like this could go so deep, and I'm like, what do I? Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't worry, you can because share because like people so share many... every. This is like very open. Okay, cool. Because for me, like one of the things is is one of the complaints. You know, I'll just list some of the ones that I hear a lot. Is like people say, "Wow, you know, I feel so bad about my life because I go on social media and like everyone's lives look so perfect and." You know, my I don't feel like my life's that great in comparison. And I'm like, I don't want to say that that to downplay their experience or to make them wrong for it because they're not, you know, I'm sure that there's, it is what it is. And, you know, we all struggle with comparison sometimes. But what world does anyone live in where everyone's telling you the truth about their lives? Like, in my experience, my whole life, you know, you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Everything's great. You know, that's that's how it's always been. And so if you find that on social media, you're also seeing that, it's like, well, of course, that's a reflection of human nature. You know, we all want to put our best foot forward. We all want to be seen in the best possible light. And I don't think that makes people bad or wrong, you know? And I think it's actually just... Again, I think it's human nature. I think it's how we are. And, you know, you have to look at it and say, I know that these people are humans. And the human experience involves both ups and downs. And that is the nature of life. Both good and bad. Yeah, exactly. Dark and white and black and white. And so yeah. and so for, for for new teachers again who, you know, are perhaps very inspired and they wanna start a teaching career and they wanna also have Instagram they want to be that on Instagram inspiration they're posting. So I think one, I wanted to ask you this. Um if if you or if you start being a public person like that and then you get like a bad comment, right? <laughs> or you get like a nasty like DM, like direct message, or whatever it is, or somebody actually tells you that at a restaurant or at the on the street or whatever. Then, um, what would you say to these young people, like to like pick yourself up, just don't listen to the or don't? Because I've heard some even like some of my friends who are actors, they're like, I don't read the comments on whatever if they have something on like you know, YouTube. And they're like, I don't, I don't read the comments because that brings me down. Mm. So I don't know. I think people, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think like, I don't know. How would, how do you, do you read? Do you read your comment? And would you reply or what do you, how do you deal with that? Negative feedback. Yeah. I mean, positive feedback is like, yeah, you love it. Of course. Yeah, of we course. All do. But if you have, I think anytime we're exposing yourself, we can have negative feedback maybe. Yeah. I would say, you know, it's interesting. I've, I think I've been bracing myself the whole time for all this negative feedback because I do, you know, I have heard from other people that that happens. And I have to be honest, like it's about 99.9% .9 positive. So, I, you know, That's people awesome. are very loving and sweet and yeah. generally people are really kind, you know, you do get the odd comment, but I think that they fall into certain categories. Okay, you have people who are just internet trolls. 
And I actually just, I feel bad for them. And I actually find them kind of funny. And when I first got my first troll, I was almost kind of excited. I was like, finally, like, I I was like, you know, the party has officially started. But like, um, I think I just wrote back to them. I was like, troll. (laughs) And then I just, I just thought it was funny. I was like, that was probably super immature, but oh, well, like it was funny to me. So you have the internet trolls. You have people that... The other thing you have some, t- very rarely is there a creepy comment, like sexual comment, but like there was one that alarmed me a little bit where a guy sent me, like I had, I blocked him after his first message. It was very inappropriate. He'd written something very inappropriate on my uh, photo. And then he, he sent me a photo of some, a pair of hands. Now I think they were his hands, let's hope but they were covered in blood and in handcuffs. So it was like a hand, and I I was very disturbed. I saved it because I was like, you know, if anything else shows up, I blocked him again. I'm like, I'm going to have to maybe take this to the police. I don't know. Um, But I did, you know, keep track of it. He didn't contact me again. So it was only been a couple like that. Wow, that's kind of scary. It was scary. I was like, like, oh, you know, that actually is somewhat disturbing. But, and then you have like the third kind where like maybe somebody has a genuine complaint or maybe there's something and that there's one actually that stands out to me that I was like, ow, that actually really hurt a lot. And it was right after the um, tragedy in Las Vegas where there was that shooting recently. And I posted a video of me practicing and then I wrote this long thing about like, wow, this is like, you know, how do we process these things? Like, how do we, how do we deal with these things? And for me, like initially a lot of anger came up when I heard about that, like a lot of not very positive or constructive emotions um, at all. And I'm a human, you know, like I wasn't like, oh, all is love. You know, I, it took me a while to, to get into any kind of good place emotionally and, everything and spiritually and and I ended the my caption was saying you know all I know is to get on my mat and to practice because like that's where I make sense of things and you lived in Vegas for a while too and I lived in Vegas yeah for a while and I have friends there and luckily you know they're all were safe but man what a horrible thing you know and what a tragedy and somebody wrote actually I think it this is embarrassing, but there was actually two people. <laughs> it's like still like hurts a little, but they wrote like, oh, you're just showing off. Like you just wanted attention for your practice because you've got a good practice. Like, look at you, you know, you're trying to make this about you. And it was like, whoa, like that really stung. Like that really stung. And I, I really looked at myself and I'm like, is that what I, is that what I did? Did I, and you know, I don't think that's why I did it, but it it definitely has caused me to pause and think okay, about it. Okay, so I'm going to say something, just put it out there to the universe. So when when something happens to a, an artist who's a painter yeah. and something happens in their life for the planet, and let's say in this case it's a shooting, and uh, the artist who has all of this emotions inside and an expression of a way to take this out is will create a painting, right? This happens yeah. a lot. Artist creates. And so 
What's the difference between a painter creating a painting or a sculpture artist creating a statue and a, yo- a yogini creating a practice and offering that practice to that? So yeah. that that's the thing. I feel like that that's an expression of art. It's an expression. Yoga is a healing art. Yeah. Yoga, you know, and so but we 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 are we are beings that we like to connect with movement and breath and we express through our bodies. Yeah. We a lot of us yogis, especially yogis who practice asana, which you know we all know that not we are very well aware that not all yoga is asana practice. While asana is like one of the eight limbs of yoga, and it is not the. But many of us here in the uh, Western cultures, even like in other cultures now. We are we are very human beings in general. We're very physical, you yeah. know. So the body is like very easy. It's an easy way to access. To me, it's an expression of energies, an expression of source light. It's an it's because a lot of ways that's how I will also release my yeah. tensions and emotions or whatever it is. And before I started like all my yoga career, I was a dancer. And many times, if something major happened, like one of my best friends died, and I just mm-hmm. went and created this. That was when I was uh, 20, whatever. I created this beautiful dance, choreography, and danced all day. So yeah, it's very similar to that person that creates a painting or that person, whatever it is, or someone might just go off and garden, you know, yeah. and create like this beautiful garden and be gardening the whole day. So it's a different way to look at it than like, oh, instead of, oh, you're nar- narcissistic because... Why is it because it involves the body? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I. You know, it, it is so interesting, and it's definitely, and for me, it it is. It's definitely like when I'm uh, when I have negative emotions and things like that. Like the only healthy way that I actually know how to um, deal with them is through my breath and through my body and through movement. And, you know, even meditation, which I love, um, generally has to come after movement for me. You know, that's when I'm able to fully drop in and surrender. I am, I have a hard time doing it before my practice. You know, it's not impossible, but it's like when I'm a little bit tired, then I can sit and I actually want to sit, you know, it's like, um, but for me, it is through the breath and through the movement. And sometimes you know, okay, maybe it is involving asanas that are considered in some way advanced. And then does that make it wrong? You know, does that then mean I'm, it's an ego thing? I don't know. You know, like, I think it's important, you know, I think it's important to ask, at least ask yourself these questions. And I'm, I definitely am asking myself these questions, but I will say that prior to having a a strong practice prior to realizing that this was a path to work through these emotions. My way of working through the emotions was to numb them, to deny them, to drink. You know, I tried drugs. Drugs didn't work all that well for me, but you know, like Xanax felt pretty good. Let's be honest. (laughs) You know, like Xanax was like, all right, this is pretty fun. Um, And I always you know, kind of, it was literally like, I need to just numb and I just need to deny and pretend that these feelings aren't happening. And, and I felt like it was like a victory if I would go through something hard and not feel anything and not, and not cry. Like I was like, Ooh, like this is like, 
the pinnacle of like toughness and badassery, you know, like if I can just tough, get tougher and stronger and, um, and not deal with anything, just kind of be like stoic. And I think that actually was like what yoga broke me of, you know, I, I, and I could feel it breaking me of that. And it was super scary. I was like, oh no, I'm starting to feel things again. And I'm starting to have emotions and like cry. And it was very scary, you know, but that's been the path for, of healing and is, is through movement and breath. So yeah. It, path of transformation. It really has. It really has. And like, it's such a powerful thing. And like, you can, I resisted it with all my might and obviously very unsuccessfully <laughs> because here I am. But, um, but yeah, and it's funny because even within the yoga community or spiritual community, you do find that, you know, I've personally experienced criticism at different times for, like, oh, you know, you have to practice asana, especially if it's, God forbid, if, you know, handstands or something. People are like, oh, why can't you just sit right away? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not that, you know, it's just not what works for me right now. I don't think it's any, uh, it's that uncommon. I mean, you know, everybody's different. Everybody yeah. has different like soul composition, body composition. I mean, I practiced with Patabi Joyce for a while and, and, you know, he would put us sitting in that 25 breaths, uh, you know, and after the entire uh, practice, which whether it's primary series or second or whatever series, and it's part of the closing sequence, but the 25 breaths really is, is like, you could make it more. You could, there's, t there were times that for me, uh, especially if I was in India, had a lot of time because I was just there dedicating that I would sit, that comes like right before Shavasana. And I would yeah. be like there for 30 minutes, you know, or 20 minutes. So the 25 breaths, which is 25 breaths, but it's really, it's, it's like, let's at least have 25 breaths. Yeah. I think that's kind of how, that at least that's my interpretation of it. Then minimum 25, but if you want to stay for 20 minutes and then do your shavasana, is that's okay. Especially yeah. if you're doing like your home practice and you have your own space, then yeah. you do. And in a, it's like, you know, the, the surya A's, B's and all your standing pose seated or whatever. And then you sit, breathe and shavasana. It's to me, it makes complete sense again to kind of steady the monkey mind to get the energy to yeah. peel the layers of the onion so that you can get good into a space of that is more clarity and steadiness. It's, and he was a very, I'm, I'm bringing him up because I feel like he was a very wise man that he knew when he started teaching this asana practice how most people perhaps would, you know. Really, it doesn't mean like what we were saying, like that everybody's going to need to do their meditation after. No, some people can just come and sit and that's, and that's fine. But others, you know, asana is going to be extremely beneficial. And if you don't do one hour, do 10 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is, you know, and then. Yeah. It's, it shouldn't, it, it's not ju judgmental. It should not be judgmental because. It's yoga. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know. It's, it's like... <laughs> it's funny because I, I think you're like me where like you have... And, and, you know, you've gone to India and you've been 
you've studied with Batabi and and you know Ashtanga is a, like such a vigorous practice and and yet you know you've also I you've you've kind of experienced like the really the range of asana practices and I think you enjoy most of them or in practice most of them to some degree whether it's Iyengar or if it's you know the smart flow with that Annie. you've learned from Annie yeah. and like you've taken the things about all of them and appreciated them and learned from them and and I think it doesn't have to be this or that that it can be oh wow like these all have these beautiful things that I've learned and I'm integrating into myself and um, tools that I can use yeah. from these these. Exactly. Yeah. Tools. Yeah. It's all tools. I mean, go to div- go to the teachers that resonate with you and find tools. And if you have somebody that you really love, study with them, you know, for a while or your life, whatever you want. Again, spirituality is it's it's so personal. Yeah. Everybody is like on a complete their own journey. Yeah. And so how can I know what is the best thing for you or or that I, all we can do is give our perspectives and all we can do is shed the light and say, this isn't my experience and this is what I learned. And, you know, I'm going to, as a yoga teacher, I'm, if you're my student, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try to create the, the best scenario possible with safety, longevity in mind, also fun yeah. and challenging <laughs> and, you know. So, yeah. of course, like I'm extremely dedicated to what I do and I love, but at the same time, all I can do is do the best I can. And then it's really, I cannot tell anybody exactly what your journey is going to be like because that would be, I can't know. I can't know. Like, you yeah. know, you can experiment and I can give you tools and I can give you lots of things like experiment with this, that, and then hopefully we'll together, you know, you'll find yourself. I mean, we're always trying to find ourselves. I'm still yeah. trying to find myself too. <laughs> like the practice has evolved so much over the years, you know, and it's like, it's always an inquiry. I'm still yeah. in the inquiry. I mean, are we ever not in the inquiry? I hope not. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know, I think I, I heard this somewhere and I think this is so true is that if somebody says that they've figured out the ultimate truth, like you can't. You can't trust that person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's always a question. You're always on the path path, and it's always a journey. And, and like, I love that we're having this conversation. Like, you know, and like I said, it, it has been years since we've seen each other. And just to, it's, it's like, it's like, wow, this is so cool that you have, you've come to the same conclusion that there's like, you know, is there an ultimate truth? Well, there's a truth, you know, that you're always looking for that, obviously, you know, but I also think that like, if you're not growing and if you're not continually seeking, if you're just like, oh yeah, I found it. I've, I, you know, I've reached enlightenment. I don't need any help, more yeah. help. I don't trust, I wouldn't trust that person. And I think it's a dangerous place to be. You know, I don't, I just think that, um, I think what it's missing is humility and I, and it's, it's missing like openness and, and willingness to learn. And and I think that's what it's all about. You know, I, I actually wanted to ask you a question because it's something that I've experienced in my practice. And then I, um, I sometimes see it with students is that, 
when I first started practicing and I would go to a teacher and I would ask them a question. And if they didn't have like a clear answer that was just like, you know, I'll give an example. I'd be like, uh, which, what should I do? Like, um, like, should I always draw my shoulder blades down my back? All right. And then if somebody would be like, yes, I'd be like, oh, okay, this is my teacher, you know, because they're so adamant. They seem to know what they're talking about. But then if they would say, well, what pose are we talking about? And like, did you, do you have a shoulder injury? And like, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. How open are your shoulders? How strong are you? you know, if they started kind of like, if it didn't seem like they were going to get, just give one solid answer, I found myself, you know, really just wanting, like, just give me the answer, like, yes or no, you know, like <laughs> give me one answer that I can stick with. And I, and I, find it funny now because now if somebody does have one answer, I don't, I wouldn't go to that person because <laughs> there's no one answer. And right. it's it like Annie says, Annie Carpenter, it's like, so it depends, you know, it, yeah. it depends and there's no one answer. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, <laughs> I'm that second teacher that's like, well, so what's going on? Do you have a show? What's going on with this? Okay. In fact, yeah. when I see somebody in my room that's practicing a pose, somewhat different than the whole room but let's say it's something that really like will stick out instead of going immediately which is I guess when I I first started yoga what I used to do which first started teaching but instead of going immediately and being like you know giving the instructions so that it's like the exactly exactly like like, no exactly (laughs) then my first thing is I go to the person I say and also because I generally want to know if if they have an in, you know an injury, which is a word I don't like to use in my room. Yeah. But I like to know if like if they have anything going on with them because then it will give me more feedback, you know, for the practice uh, to observe them and to yeah. be of best service. But I'll generally I'll say, is there anything going on? Like, is everything okay? Yeah. Is there is there anything going on with you today? Is everything all right? And then. And then most of the time, 99%, the answer I get is I'm recovering from this or I'm recovering, you know, or I, or I just had a cert, oh yeah, or I don't know, this doesn't feel right. And so, or I have yeah. a chip in that place and I'm like, and that's that. And then you go, okay, well, okay, you know, you know what you're doing then. You take, take care of yourself yeah. and they know, you know, and it's like, of course, then you just back off. Yeah. You know, if it's like, but maybe, maybe they didn't know the pose. Maybe they're just like, oh, I missed out that that arm was up. And and then you're like, yes, please lift your arm and drive yeah. your shoulders down the back. And that's <laughs> it. But, you yeah. know, if you have to ask, again, inquiry, you have to like, you have to be in the moment. You have to be present and you have to look at that one person. It's not yeah. cookie cutter. And again, you know, primarily we're teaching individuals and how allow the asana to serve you and not the other way around. Right. And I think <laughs> that, you know, I definitely, as a, a beginning teacher too, it was like, I is almost like, how can I make everyone in my room look the same? You know, because this is what I'm teaching and I want everyone to look like this, you know, like it, and it's embarrassing to say this, but it's true. And I realized a lot of it, um, you know, some of it was, is was ego, you know, it's like, I know best what for your body. And it's like, I look at that now, I'm like, oh my goodness, how could I possibly know 
How could I? Po- there's no way. Like I, there's no way I can know in every moment what's going to be best for them. And it's like you might know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we do, <laughs> but sometimes. <laughs> but sometimes it needs to be a conversation because, like, maybe they just yes. had a car accident since the last time I saw them, and they had whip- whiplash and. Maybe looking up at their top hand and triangle pose is going to hurt their neck today where we're, it didn't last week. We're you know? getting close to the time, <laughs> but I want to ask you a last thing before yeah. we close. Uh, why acro yoga? I know you're like super passionate about that. Yeah, it's so funny because that's one of those things I was like, I'm never going to do that. Like, And again, it's so funny because you look from the outside in and sometimes you judge things and it's everything we've been talking about. It's like not judging something, but just trying it. And and what I've become aware of is like, wow, like the in the digital age where we're all like spending so much time on our computers and on our phones and we're not spending time engaging with other humans, it is the most, I, I, in some ways I'm like, everyone needs to be I love to that you this. said that. <laughs> It's like, a way to connect. Yeah. It's the community and the connectedness is like, it's unlike any other thing I've ever done. And it's so fun. And I've learned so much about myself and about trust and just even about my body. Like, and it's actually helped my practice in many ways because when you're standing on another human, they don't want to compensate in the ways that you're compensating in your body. So if you put all your weight on your left foot, instead of, you know, evenly on both feet, they're going to be like, hey, you need to fix this, right? How so, many times a week good. do you practice? It really varies, but I, it's it's funny, like this week. You how, go once a week? I've gone, oh. I've already practiced twice this week. Oh, cool. And it would be at least once more, if not two, two more times. I mean, it, it's, it becomes very addictive. <laughs> I know Super a lot fun. of people that um, love acro yoga. So yeah, let's one day do like a whole podcast on that. Maybe like yeah. with your friend or something. Yes. Yeah, together we could do it. Oh man, that'd be so yeah. fun. What's his name again? Um, James Hugh. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's lovely to see you. And Aww, it, it's, it's nice just so you. cool to be here with you and to have you on life on earth and I'm so happy that you're sharing your energy with us and you know all the best ever and I, I'm I feel very lucky to have you in my life. Ah, so. and same here. You're so you're <laughs> such a beautiful person and it's just like obviously you've just gotten even more so uh, over the years. So it's just, it's really lovely to be here. So thank you. Thank you, Angela. Well, thanks. Thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. And you all have Angela's information because we said it all before. I'll add it all to the show notes. Have a beautiful day wherever you are. We love planet Earth. Ciao, ciao. So I hope you enjoy this podcast with Angela and I hope that you can also check her out. She has a beautiful and very inspirational Instagram. If you do like the show, do not forget to share it with your friends and I would so appreciate if you give us a great review on iTunes. It's always very helpful and always remember that we totally, totally appreciate you and if you can please consider donating to the show. No amount is small and any amount is very much appreciated. Even if you donate $2 a month, $5 a month, 10, whatever it is that you can, it helps with our show and it helps with production. 
It's a great assist for the program. And once again, I invite you to join Golden Sunrise um, Retreat in Oregon, May 24th through May 27th. Yoga Nidra, Vinyasa Yoga, Meditation, Forest Bathing, Horses, Stables, Lakes and Rivers, and the property has so much. It's so beautiful, and I really feel like we're going to have a fantastic time, and it will be a great way to connect with um, each other. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, and know that you are amazing, and if you have any, any suggestions or any questions, please reach out to me. I am Natalie Cry. I am your host of Life on Earth Podcast. Have an amazing day. Ciao, ciao.